Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we speak with author, counselor, and teacher John Eldridge. John has written numerous books, including the bestseller Wild at Heart. John is devoted to helping people through their recovery process and shares how he himself was crying out for help as a young boy, looking for hope wherever he could find it. I'm John Eldridge, and I am first off a husband of Stacy Eldridge. Been married 34 years this year. Glad I remembered that. And a father of three sons, married sons now, and therefore newly grandpa or poppy, as they call me, but probably more widely known as author of a number of books, Wild at Heart and Beautiful Outlaw, and Captivating with my wife, Stacy. Raised in the suburbs of LA, born into kind of a traditional American home. Dad worked, mom stayed at home in the early years, but not, not a believing home. Was not raised in any faith, kind of popular American agnosticism. agnosticism. And then our family was pretty much blown apart by my father's alcoholism. And that was a very defining thing for me, that wounding uh, abandonment and betrayal and, and all of that that got in in a young boy's heart. And I actually became a pretty wild kid. Uh, I was kicked out of high school, had a police record. And, and all of that was just this cry for help. And I think some of those early years, some of the wounding experiences and, and, um, and then the rescue actually came through my grandfather's ranch. Every summer I was shipped off to my grandfather's ranch when I was young and we had this precious relationship and he had a faith and, and those, those were golden, golden summers for me, riding horses, herding cattle. And of course that ended up shaping uh, the book I wrote called Wild at Heart. Actually didn't start my writing career till I think I was um, late 30s, and now uh, I just love it. And it's about story and the story God is telling and our stories and how those intersect. I met Christ when I was 19. I had a pretty, pretty remarkable salvation experience where I was hungry. I was, I was looking into Eastern mysticism and New Age movement. I was really hungry for, for something. And Jesus actually just came to me. One of those personal encounter experiences, uh, of course, that Sarah writes about so much, you know. He's real. Like, Sarah, like, thank you. I, I wrote a book called Beautiful Outlaw about the personality of Jesus, you know? Like, he's real and kind and good and playful. He has a sense of humor. Sarah has done so much to help people fall in love with Jesus again. Like, wonderful, thank you. I love Jesus, I want people to fall in love with him. So came to Christ at 19 and it was the talk of the town because I used to hunt down Christians in high school and talk them out of their faith. So it was kind of a Saul, uh, a Saul to Paul thing where I, then I became this like passionate evangelist for Jesus. And I actually wasn't looking for a religion. I, I never went to church as a kid. I was looking for the truth. I was looking for a world view. Like, what does this mean for the arts? Because I cared about the arts. What does this mean for nature and the environment? Because I care so much about the earth. C.S. Lewis said, you can only hope for what you desire. 
You can't generate hope for weird, bizarre, religious things. You can't generate hope for misty, vague, you know, spiritual things. God wants to make it very concrete. Okay, so we're going to take this old journey, and it's going to be so fun. As John flourished as a writer, counselor, and seeker of truth, he began to observe a distinct lack of hope in the people he was talking to. He started to look closely at how Scripture gives us the ultimate hope, the promise of an eternity with God our Father and a new earth. As he began to delve further into the Bible and into ancient texts, he came away with a desire to instill hope into our world today with his findings, observations, and inspirations. He has compiled this into a new book called All Things New, Heaven, Earth, and the Restoration of Everything You Love. We're in a crisis of hope right now in the world. I was reading some research. The World Health Organization reports that depression is the third leading cause of disability worldwide. And suicides are up and addictions are up and anxiety medication now is like going through the roof. Like humanity is not well. And I think, I think part of what we're hitting right now is a huge crisis of hope. And Christianity was meant to be this incredible offer of hope to the world, but it, it really got ripped off. We have these cartoon images of like harps and halos and, you know, what is heaven? It's the eternal sing-along in the sky. And people just didn't know what to put their hopes in. I, I've been a therapist for, you know, many years. And I just have met so many dear people of God who actually don't, have a lot of hope in their future. The future is something that they fear. Last year was a year of a lot of um, loss for us as a family. We had a suicide in our extended family and I got the phone call and and um, we lost um, our first grandson to a, a, a just a brutal, brutal miscarriage. My son and daughter's first child and and then I lost my dear friend of uh, 40 years uh, to cancer. And, and I really began digging into the scriptures to say, Jesus, what is it we're supposed to be hoping for? And, and I know we'll unpack this, but the, the little nugget is this, that in Matthew 19, Peter has asked Jesus the exact same question. He's just asked him in verse 17, he says, what is it we're supposed to be hoping for? Like th this has actually cost us a lot to follow you. And Jesus doesn't rebuke the question and he doesn't tell him, hey, come on, Peter, virtue is its own reward. Listen to what he says. He says, Peter, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his throne, and he gets very specific, he says, all of you who have lost loved ones, or even houses, dear places to you, even careers, uh, it will all be given back to you. Actually, Jesus says, what is coming is a day of enormous and total restoration, restoration of our own lives. He's trying very hard to make it very tangible because he knows that, you know, we push these things off into heavenly realms and then you, you, you just can't hope for the vague. You cannot hope for the bizarre. But when you begin to understand God is actually going to restore you, your life, your body, your soul, your personality, your spirit, and so he's going to restore you, your body, your personality, your soul. He's going to heal all your wounds. And he's going to restore the earth. And then the really cool thing is, if you follow the story, 
he then tells us to do exactly what he told Adam and Eve to do. Revelation says, and they will reign with him on the earth. Okay, so you go back to Genesis, and we have this beautiful creation, and God gives us the world, and we were artists, and we were musicians, and somebody was a scientist, and somebody was a teacher, and somebody was an architect, all that gifting in you that makes you, you. That's what it meant to reign on the earth. He's like, yep, live, that, live all that out. Okay, write the symphonies, explore the rivers, you know, teach them, create literature. Our Father is going to restore us very soon and restore the, the cosmos, the heavens and the earth. And then we get to do exactly what we were created to do. We get to do what we were born to do. Your story matters to God. And one of the most exquisite things that happens in the coming kingdom, there, um, for centuries, the, the, the saints had a very rich concept of reward, that your life's choices, your suffering, uh, the losses that you've suffered, the, your perseverance, uh, all those choices to forgive that friend one more time, or the choice to hang on to your faith when it just doesn't feel real anymore. Your story matters, and your story is going to be told rightly in the kingdom. All that misunderstanding that you've lived with, those choices that your family just judged you for, and all of those desires that no one else shared, no one else understood, your story will be told intimately, and it will be told beautifully, and you will be rewarded. You will be vindicated by God. And, and there's this beautiful dispensation of rewards. And, and there's this exquisite moment, again, back to Revelation 21, when it says the dwelling of God is with men. The next thing it says is, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Now, the tenderness of that moment, like every tear, that, that must mean that we go back through our story. And our Father, our Father, takes care of, he wipes away those eight-year-old tears, and he wipes away those 16-year-old tears, and he wipes away those 48-year-old tears, and those 77-year-old tears. Like, your story will be intimately restored. I think what this book is going to do for people is it opens our hearts to let hope in. And then, I'm telling you, you, you crack that door to Jesus and say, I would love some hope. I mean, he, he would love to restore your hope. People who are filled with hope love better. When, when you lose hope, it's like, who cares? Like, love gets pretty hard when, when, when you don't have hope. And, and people who are filled with hope dream because they're not so fearful. They're not so clutching about their life. They're able to take risks. Right? People, people who have hope are able to share hope with the world. And, and I've been reading some research on hope lately, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, the data shows that cancer patients who are actually filled with hope have higher rates of recovery and lower rates of recurrence. Like hope literally affects the human body. Hope is actually something that God breathes into you. You don't have to like generate it. Like, I feel more hopeful. It doesn't work. But Romans 15, Paul says, I pray that the God of all hope would fill your hearts to overflowing with hope by the power 
of his spirit in you. Hope is a powerful thing. To find out more about John's new book, All Things New, Heaven, Earth, and the Restoration of Everything You Love, please visit his website at ransomedheart.com. We'll be back with more of the Jesus Calling podcast after this brief message from Audible. As a special offering to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version, and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now, on to the second half of our show. Our next guest is country music singer Bradley Walker. Bradley is a Dove Award nominee who has just completed an all-new studio recording and live concert DVD of gospel songs and hymns that released earlier this year. On this new gospel album, Walker is joined by Vince Gill and award-winning songstress Allison Krauss, bluegrass star Rhonda Vincent, the Oak Ridge Boys, and others. Born with muscular dystrophy, Bradley faced challenges growing up that were difficult, but his family and friends smoothed the path for him, and his faith in God gave him the passion to pursue his dream of becoming a country music performer. My name's Bradley Walker, and I've been a singer my entire life. From the time I was about three or four years old, a uh, time when most kids are just learning how to talk good, I was singing already, and uh, that's been my goal in life is to become a singer and to be able to impact people through music. I knew from a very early age that giving my life to the Lord was something that I wanted to do and needed to do. Uh, I grew up in church uh, from a very early age, grew up singing in church, and um, I, I I can't remember what age I was when I made that decision, but I remember making the decision and knowing that it was the most important decision I would ever make. I was born with muscular dystrophy. That's why I'm in a wheelchair. Of course, people see right away that I'm in a wheelchair and that uh, this is the hand I've been dealt. You know, um, living life from a chair and, and doing things and things in my life being a little bit different from most, but most certainly from an early age, uh, my mom and all my family, but her especially, uh, she had to do a lot of fighting at an early age, meaning uh, fighting for me to have the opportunities that I've had to be able to attend a normal school, you know, to be able to ride a school bus like any other child. Um, Things like that matter, you know, to a, to a young kid going into kindergarten, he wants to ride the bus just like everybody else, you know, and she fought so that I could do that. Attending a normal school, I went to a, a regular school from the time I was in kindergarten until I graduated. Things like that were able to show me early on that there's not anything that I could, couldn't do. You know, even though that 
I was dealt a different hand in life that don't let that hold you back uh, and don't use that to get any kind of special treatment or anything you know go at it full force and, and anything that you dream of or anything that you want to do or accomplish in life you can do it with the right attitude and with the, that support that I was talking about from family and friends. When I was 10 years old, uh, I had known the Oak Ridge Boys, even at that time, for quite a many years. Um, we met when I was much younger and had actually sang together once before, and they invited me to be on the Nashville Now TV show, which was a very popular show on TNN back in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, that was what I consider to be my very first exposure to the real professional side of the music business. So it was pretty cool for a 10-year-old. I think that exposure and that experience really opened my eyes and made me know that, yeah, music was something I wanted to pursue and wanted to, to try to make a career out of. My day job is at the Browns Ferry Nuclear Power Plant in my hometown, Athens, Alabama. I've been at that plant for 15 years now, and of course the whole time I've, I've always sang, you know, and uh, I feel like that it's a blessing to have this job because it affords me the opportunity to take the time off when I can to chase my dream. You know, and without that, I think it would be a much tougher thing to do. Um, so I, and it's a good balance. I mean, I can't, I think that keeps you grounded to a certain extent. Um, and it, there's some stability there too, to, to know that you've got a paycheck coming in every couple weeks, you know, uh, while you're out here trying to chase your dream in music. Um, and who knows, I mean, I, I would love to, be a full-time singer one day, but until then, I, I'm thankful to have this job and uh, to work in a place where my coworkers are so supportive. I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't do it without that, you know, without that kind of support and that kind of uh, people behind you and knowing that they, they love what you do and they're, they're behind you 200%. So thankful for that. You know, I've had people tell me from time to time that they look up to me or that they get inspiration from me. I don't think I ever really purposely set out for that. To me, it's just all about, it goes back to the music, you know, it goes back to just making great music and doing what I love. And I've always said that if I can impact somebody's life in the process of doing that, then that's, that's wonderful. I've just always said that Pick songs that say something. Pick songs that have a, a message within them that can touch people's lives. Because music is a powerful thing. And so it's a, it's a responsibility. As long as I'm able to make music and make records, I want to, to choose the greatest songs I can to record. So many people down through the years, I've tried to learn from everybody just pay attention to the people who are professionals, you know, and the ones that have had long-standing careers. Pay attention to what has 
made that a long-standing career. And to me, just great songs um, define the people that have had the most impact in, in my musical career, in my style. It all goes back to great songs, you know, and just trying to learn from all those people. People like Merle and George Jones, George Strait and Alan Jackson, and the ones that have been around for a lot of years and have given us a lot of great music to, to uh, keep and, and to have forever. That's what I hope to do. This new album is something that I've had in my mind and something I've wanted to do and prayed about and dreamed about doing for a long time. Um, and I go back to those country music heroes of mine, so many of them at some point in their career always made a point to make a gospel album, make an album full of hymns that they grew up singing. And so that's what I always wanted to be able to do. This, this record is full of those type songs, uh, songs like Amazing Grace, and uh, The Old Rugged Cross, Victory in Jesus, Because He Lives. I mean, songs that we all grew up singing in church, you know. If you've stood uh, holding a Baptist hymnal or holding any kind of church hymnal, you know, uh, you've sang those songs. And uh, that is such a blessing to me to be able to do this and to do an album that people have asked me to record for many years, really. Uh, family and friends have always said, when are you going to do a gospel album? And so to have this opportunity now is just such a huge blessing. That's, that's why I chose that title, Blessed, because it's how I feel. Uh, to have this opportunity at this point in my career and in my life is just amazing. I hope it's something that people will, will enjoy hearing for, for many years. This whole opportunity to, to make these records with Bill and Gloria Gaither came because I sang at the homegoing service of a dear, dear friend, Joey Feek, from Joey and Rory. People fell in love with Joey and Rory, and I had no idea that afternoon out behind their farmhouse singing Leave It There for Joey because I sang it because I knew that was her request. I had no idea at one of the saddest times in my life that just a few days later, I would get one of the greatest blessings of my life. That's God. That's God bringing something good out of something so terrible. And it's, you know, you, you think about it because I've thought a lot in the last couple of years Man, how I wish she were here. I don't know how people face the trials that we have in this life without faith in God. I, I just can't imagine going through life without that. Um, it, it's, it's where I get my direction, where I try to get my direction and guidance from. And um, there's no doubt that the good Lord's brought me to this point to be able to accomplish what I have and to be able to to realize so many dreams. That's not me, that's Him. That's the good Lord above. But it all goes back to what is said in the book that trust in Him is what it's all about. And knowing that, that 
he's got a bigger plan, bigger than what we can see or understand a lot of times, but just trust him and always know that he's gonna put us in the right place and where he wants us to be. To find out more about Bradley Walker's new gospel record, Blessed, please visit bradleywalker.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we visit with legendary songwriter Gloria Gaither. Gloria, along with her husband Bill, has written over 700 songs, including the iconic Because He Lives. Gloria talks about what inspired she and Bill when they wrote the songs that have powerfully spoken to several generations. When we wrote Because He Lives, we wrote that because of our baby who was born at the end of the 60s. He was born in 1970. And the Vietnam War had just torn up the country. Uh, The drug culture was um, really in full swing. And and we looked at this little baby and said, you know, if it's like this now, what will the world be, you know, in 17 years when he has to face it? And so we wrote How Sweet to Hold Our Newborn Baby and Feel the Pride and Joy He Gives, but greater still the calm assurance. This child can face uncertain days because he lives, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Our featured passage from today comes from the February 26th excerpt of the Jesus Calling audiobook. I am leading you step by step through your life. Hold my hand in trusting dependence, letting me guide you through this day. Your future looks uncertain and feels flimsy, even precarious, That is how it should be. Secret things belong to the Lord, and future things are secret things. When you try to figure out the future, you are grasping at things that are mine. This, like all forms of worry, is an act of rebellion, doubting my promises to care for you. Whenever you find yourself worrying about the future, repent and return to me. I will show you the next step forward, and the one after that, and the one after that. Relax and enjoy the journey in my presence, trusting me to open up the way before you as you go. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.